things to different people. The way that I view it is allowing someone to be their authentic self. And whatever that means for each individual person is what it means to them. And so honoring that, respecting that, valuing that, um, showing them that I appreciate them and that I'm willing to help them stand up for whatever they believe in and whatever they're passionate about, I think to me is kind of, yeah, my definition of it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Develop Your Potential. I'm your host, Hanji Sunday. Today we have a guest and we have a topic of empowerment that we'll be talking about um, to give us some wisdom and give us some insight is Ashley Bastrom. Uh, she was my boss at Purdue Fort Wayne and she had a great opportunity and now she's at Wake Forest University and I'm really glad to have her on the podcast today give us some insight about empowerment, um, kind of focusing most so on the woman's side, but we're going to talk generally about empowerment and then try to give us some practical uh, things that we can work on to help others, empower others to be their best self and also to hopefully reach their full potential. So uh, without ado, Ashley, if you can introduce yourself, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, what are you up to these days? And, um, you know, anything interesting would be great. Awesome. Well, thank you for the uh, intro and for having me on this podcast and and discussion with you. Um, Certainly a topic I could talk for a really long time about and enjoy talking about. So I appreciate that. Um, Like, you know, Ponji mentioned, I am coaching at Wake Forest right now. I work specifically with the women's team, uh, basically, you know, middle distance events and up. So get a little bit of everything in there um, and have been at a couple different schools kind of throughout my approximately 10 year coaching career now um, and have really enjoyed it. It's it's an amazing job and I don't take it for granted any day the impact that I can have on the lives of my student athletes. And so try and lead well so that they feel empowered to be their best selves. Awesome. Um, So, you know, it's always great to talk to you about different topics, but I know um, just looking at your post that you post, I'm not on social media anymore. Um, Only thing I'm on is LinkedIn. (laughs) But uh, I know Definitely, this is a topic that I know is near and dear to you, and I'm like, there's nobody that I know that will be fitting to talk to you about this uh, topic of empowerment, but um, I guess for starters, let's kind of, if you can give us your um, definition of what empowerment means to you. Yeah, I think, you know, it can mean different things to different people. The way that I view it is allowing someone to be their authentic self. And whatever that means for each individual person is what it means to them. And so honoring that, respecting that, valuing that, um, showing them that I appreciate them and that I'm willing to help them stand up for whatever they believe in and whatever they're passionate about, I think to me is kind of, yeah, my definition of it. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, for me, I kind of think about, um, and one thing you said that stands out is just, being yourself um and that is really critical and going back in our days working with you 
I think that was something that definitely you did really well, just allowing myself and the rest of the assistant coaches to be ourselves. And um, I think we did our jobs well because you give us that um, opportunity to just be ourselves and do the things that we can with our own knowledge. And I think um, you helped us and you empower us to use our own knowledge to help build a program that you helped started uh, from the ground up. So um, I guess the next question, the next thing that I would like us to talk about is kind of like um, knowing your own worth. Do you think, do you believe that is like part of uh, empowering somebody, um, allowing that person to know themselves and know their own worth? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think, you know, part of feeling empowered is being proud of who you are and not ashamed of who you are. And so encouraging, you know, whether it be your student athletes or other people in your lives to take a deep dive inward and find out what's most important to them and then allowing them to, you know, share that with you, I think is, is huge. I think women in particular, you know, need consistent affirmation that they're doing the right things, they're saying the right things, they believe the right things. Um, and so that can be hard because I think there's a tendency to look outward for approval and recognition. And a lot of that in order for, I think, true happiness, it, it needs to come from inward. And you need to find that from who you are and, and being proud of who you are and not consistently seeking that from the media or from other people and that type of thing. So kind of that being, I guess, a balancing act of, of helping them find who they are um, while giving them, I guess, the time to explore it, but not putting them into a box of, of what they quote unquote should be. Um, and I think, you know, gender bias comes into play there and the idea of, of what a woman should be instead of what a woman could be. Um, and and the societal pressures that kind of come into play with that. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, let's dive deep a little bit deeper into that uh, equation of you know gender bias. Um, just looking at people and seeing and just putting labeling them that they should be they should have this role. Um, like women, for example, like we kind of touched on it last week. Um, you know, the idea for me is just sitting back and just watching how um, women, I think now you can see more, like, women are allowed to be more see taking the positions of CEOs. Um, in our field uh, of profession, you know, now you get to see maybe, I don't even know how many head coaches we have that are females, um, you know. So if you can add on on just a little bit about that and, you know, just the idea of the gender bias and, you know, um, how can, you know, let's just say places of work or even the person themselves have the confidence to believe that they belong in a setting position um, or they have, they have the authority to speak about something that a lot of times, you know, it might seem like it is appropriate just for men to talk about it, um, which is completely wrong, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think there's, when you look at, you know, women stepping into leadership roles, um, especially if it's, you know, a CEO type position or a head coach position, 
as is in our world of, of cross country and track, I mean, while the numbers are increasing, um, they're still very low. Um, when you look at the division one level um, and kind of look at how many women are, are head coaches, you're less than 20% for women's teams. And so that's obviously still very low compared to where it could have been. And, you know, before Title IX passed, 90% of women's teams were coached by women um, and, and head coaches were women. And then it kind of obviously shifted. And now you're looking at around 42, 43% of women's teams across all sports are coached by women. And so while you had this huge rise in, in numbers of, of women getting into sports and opportunities for women to get into sport, there was a sharp decline in women leading those programs. And it's, I don't know, it's interesting to say like, well, why did that happen? You know, like this was opportunity for women. Yeah. So why was, why were coaching opportunities being taken away um, as opportunity for sport participation was being added? And I think, you know, coaching women's teams became more popular. It became a bigger deal. Women's teams became competitive. They were at the NCAA level. And so it now was a glorified thing to coach a women's program, whereas before it really wasn't. And so men came in and started to take over those roles. And we've kind of stagnated over the last several years as far as adding, you know, head coaches of women's teams. So that's something I'm definitely passionate about seeing grow. And I think, you know, gender bias comes into play with that. Um, Likeability bias comes into play with that. The blame narrative of women just don't want to be head coaches or women don't want to be leaders. Um, and I think you look at, you know, family life, too, and, and the balance of, of being a full-time head coach at the Division One level. There's not a lot of time outside of that for family. And so, you know, mom guilt becomes... <laughs> Uh, really challenging for a lot of women. And, and I think, you know, that's, that's both sides, obviously, like both parents have to spend a lot of time away from home. Um, but the societal pressures of like mom being the one that should be there kind of, I think, increases that mom guilt, maybe a little bit more so than dad guilt comes into play. Um, and just, I mean, there's a tendency for leaders to hire people who look like them. And so when you look at athletic directors around the country, most of them are white males. And so they're hiring white males, you know, and that's that's not anything against them. Like that's that's our own biases that are generally unconscious and um, we're not aware of, you know, when we look to hire people who think like us and, and look like us and, you know, going through the hiring process and, and bringing in my own assistance, I was so dead set on not hiring anyone like me. I didn't want them to look like me. I didn't want them to think like me. I think, you know, having a diverse set of ideas um, on a staff is, is crucial for success. And so that was something that I tried to be aware of my own biases kind of going into. And um, I think, without being conscious about it though and like really being aware of it like it would have just been easy to fall into a trap of, of hiring people who looked like me and thought like me um and so yeah, yeah i think like i said there, there's a lot that goes into it um and i think you know people could stand to kind of look into their own biases and, and check themselves and realize it's it's not something that 
is their fault or they're to blame for. It's, you know, we, we start biases at a really, really young age. Um, and, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's not our faults and it's, it's not something to, you know, beat yourself up over, but it is something to be aware of. Definitely. Yeah, I completely, I agree with you. You know, I was reading this quote by uh, Megan Markley. Well, that's called Duchess Megan Markley or however you do that in Britain. Um, but she said, women don't need to find their voices. They need to be empowered to use it. And people need to be need to be urged to listen. Yeah. And I just feel like, you know, um, as a society, I don't think people are paying attention to uh, women talking um, or minorities uh, talking. I think people are just like, this is what we're used to, like tradition. Um, I'm not a tradition. I don't, not that I don't like the concept of tradition. I have my own tradition that I like to keep. But when it comes to certain things, I'm just like, you just got to give people opportunities to allow themselves to just blossom because we can't just stick to the old fashioned. Okay. This position is just for the man. This position is just for this kind of a person. Um, I think there's a place in for people to, to have this kind of position, but at the same time, but in the leadership position, I don't think it shouldn't just be just meant for men. Um, you gotta be able to allow, uh, it offers any female to try the position and see where they go from it. And then um, I know last time when we were talking about this, you also touched on not just giving people the opportunity, but also supporting them. Um, so if you can help, help us, just kind of help us understand the equity and uh, the difference between equity and also equality and how those two can work together to help um, with the idea of empowerment. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, equality is is a buzzword. Um, and a lot of people are like, well, I'm just going to treat you equally. And, you know, we as I think a country are pretty obsessed with the word fair um, and and kind of defend it at all costs that we treat everyone fairly mm-hmm. um, or we treat everyone equally when in reality, you know, equal treatment looks different for two different people. So, you know, a child growing up that is coming from a wealthier family and they've always had consistent schooling and they've got consistent meals and there's none of those stresses and pressures, um, you know, looks very different than someone who grew up and didn't know when their next meal was going to be, didn't have consistent internet access, maybe didn't always get to school um, because they had to watch a sibling or something like that. And so if you treated those two students equally, one of them is going to be disadvantaged and one of them's probably going to thrive. And so when you're talking about equity, you're looking at eliminating the barriers that prevent equality. And so you have to dismantle the systems that are oppressing minorities and to make sure that they have the same set of resources. And in a lot of ways, it's it's more resources so that they can have an equal playing field because we're not all starting on third base ready to hit a home run, right? Like some of us are on yep. first base. Some of us aren't even on the bases yet. 
some of us, maybe the bases are loaded, other times they're bare, you know, and so really understanding where someone's coming from and doing your homework to see what did they need to be successful because it might look different than when someone else is. And so I like the idea of like, it's not a handout, it's a hand up. Um, no one, mm -hmm. I'm not, we're not asking to have, you know, just get hire me because I'm a female and I deserve a chance. Like hire me because I'm qualified and I believe I can do this job, but like I need a hand up because I might not get there on my own, you know? Um, yeah. And so that's kind of, to me, the difference between equality and equity. And it, I think in a lot of ways, like equality doesn't really exist in our world. It's a, it's a concept that we've we've talked about to think to make ourselves feel good and, and to make us feel like we treat everyone as long as we treat everyone fair, like we're good people. Um, and mm -hmm. I just don't think that that truly exists because everyone's coming to the table with something different. Definitely, and I just, it may, takes me back to my first um, Division One job at Rice State, and you know, all the girls are like, well. You, you have favorites and you're not treating everybody equally. I'm like, well, it's not really about treating everybody equally. I'm here and I'm helping anybody who is here ready to work. If you're not here ready to work and you're demanding that I treat you the same that with the same person that comes here and they have everything together and they're trying to get better, then I'm sorry, you have the wrong definition of equality. Um, I can't treat you the same as somebody else who's always here has a positive energy, and they're ready to go, ready to put in the work. Um, I just can't treat you the same. So um, just the idea of just whoever is ready, um, you give them the right information and you give them the support that they need to get better. Um, but really, I think last time when you touched on it, I was like, holy smokes, I never really thought about that. Um, you know, the, the idea of, you know, equality, yeah, we want to be treated the same, but at the same time, we got to also look at where is everybody coming from? Um, because some people are coming from, just like you said, some people are on first base, some people are on second base, some people are on third base. And there's just that difference. There's, there's always going to be a gap. And I think equity kind of helps us breach those gaps to help bring each other up. Um, and definitely something that you talked on is just, being able to have access to, you know, information, resources, and support. And I think the one that got me the most was you stating the, um, that we need to also support somebody. Um, so if you can kind of go dive de deeper into that and the idea of um, supporting people, not just giving people things, but also oh, not just giving them opportunities, but really, um, coming alongside themselves. If you can give us like a practical example of what could that look like, that would be great. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think, you know, supporting people is different, I guess, based on what they need. Um, I think a lot of it begins with helping them figure out what they need. Um, and, and part of that is, is being an effective listener. I think a lot of people really struggle at listening effectively. And I know I've, fallen into that trap as well quite a few times in my life, whether it's a just a distraction because my phone is buzzing or a distraction because I'm thinking about something else I have going on later in the day. 
So I'm really not giving that person like my full attention or I'm listening with this idea of like, how do I fix this person? How do I solve this problem mm -hmm. for them? Or I'm just, I'm getting ready to reply, right? Like I'm not really yeah. listening. I'm just preparing to reply and, and I want to sound insightful and empowering and, and all of this stuff. And so I'm more concerned with my answer than I am with what they're saying. And so, you know, I think slowing down and listening to understand is huge. And I think especially, you know, for women, like we want to be heard, we want to be seen and we want to be valued and someone just taking the time to, to listen and, and not try and fix anything or, or not try and, I guess, impart wisdom upon us. Like it is great. Like maybe we just want to have a conversation, you know, we want to talk through some things that that's on our mind and, and just talking about it, we'll, we'll take care of it, you know? So I think, you know, you can't really support someone effectively until you know what they need from you. And the only way you can find out what they need from you is if you are listening wholeheartedly and, you know, trying to be empathetic to what they're going through and trying to put yourselves in their shoes in order for them to feel comfortable sharing with you and then, you know, to be open to advice if you feel like you have something to give. Um, but I think it's okay to, you know, not give advice if you don't feel prepared to do that as well and just listen. Definitely. So like what I'm hearing is being engaged with, with the people, um, showing some kind of interest, showing interest, not kind of interest, just showing interest that you do care about this person. Um, and I think that's probably one of the key um, points for people uh, to help people, to help empower people. You got to show interest that you actually do care because I, I think that sometimes people have the good intention, but they're in, they are hearts might not be completely into it. And people can easily read that, that you're just doing this just because I'm just a female. You're just doing this just because I'm this minority person. Um, so, um, so let's let's kind of segue into you know what are some things that like for me personally, I have three girls. Um, they're going to be growing up into this society that um, at some point they might face these challenges of you know somebody telling them that you got this job because you're just a female. Um, something like that. For me as a parent, as a dad, and as a male, what can we do um, to help, you know, not just boost people's confidence, but to truly um, help empower our children um, to see that they belong wherever they're trying to go to? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, as parents, you've got to check yourself on your own biases, too. Um, and, you know, when you look at research as for as, you know, kids really young, like the amount of times as parents, we say, be careful to a young female that's climbing a tree or, hey, don't do that. That's scary. Or, hey, back off. Don't you know, that's not a good idea. But then we would let our same age or younger or a little bit older son do all of those same things without saying anything and, and then just be like, oh, boys will be boys. Um, and and that's not necessarily great because like from a very young age then at like two or three, you're already limiting 
them to mm. a find fear and and learn to be afraid of things early um and then kind of showing them like hey that's not your role like be careful be cautious be quiet um you know that that's a woman's role is is those characteristics not to be loud and brave and outgoing and fearless and so i think that you know starts from a really young age um, for women and then as they grow and and decide you know what do they want to be um you know allow them to be what they want to be if you know your your daughter says i want to grow up and be a professional football player like great awesome i'm going to support you you know um and if she says i want to grow up to be a ballerina awesome great i support you you know and and i think that that's the biggest thing is allowing people to explore their interests from early on in childhood all the way up to adulthood and being there to support you know whatever that is and not saying oh well you know girls really don't do that or oh that's not really a, a boy career depending on you know if you have sons or daughters and so I think that side of it is big. And then, you know, as they get older, having those difficult conversations with them about what is bias and, um, you know, the unjust aspects of our society and what that looks like. Like, I don't think we need to be afraid to have those conversations just because they're hard conversations to have. And certainly the the minority hire, the you only got that job because you're a female and, and the reverse discrimination um, that comes along with that is is incredibly frustrating. I know, you know, one of the message boards that's common in our working world, um, you know, let's run. I just I can't go on there and look at the coaching thread because every other post is just, oh, this female just got that job, she's unqualified, I should have gotten it over her, um, you know, she doesn't deserve it. And these people don't even know these people and they're just judging based on, you know, I don't know, some tiny bio that gets posted or or something like that. And I think people are just so quick to judge and, and they don't like to ask questions and they don't really wanna know. Mm the full story. Um, so I think, you know, anytime you don't understand something like ask questions, you know, like there might be times where, you know, you've got three daughters and, and they say something and you're like, what, you know, like I am confused. Like, <laughs> like, you know, like, Oh, what do you mean by that? Or, um, why do you think you want to be a professional football player? You know, like what excites you about that? And, and just get interested in what they're interested in. Um, and that will allow them to see that like, oh, okay, dad thinks this is acceptable too. Like he's interested, he's excited for me. And and you don't even have to understand what they're saying, right? Or what they wanna do. Yeah. You may, you may not. But if you're like, oh, cool, I wanna learn more, that helps them know like, oh, this is a safe thing to explore. And so I think that that's probably like the biggest thing is, Again, there's so much of both men and women being told what they should be um, that it's it's scary to branch away from that. And like I said, that just it starts so young. Um, and I've seen it when I've worked with, you know, elementary school kids with different um, organizations like Girls on the Run or Girls Inc. or Big Brothers, Big Sisters. Like it, it was always mind blowing to me, like how quickly they are picking up on a lot of these biases and, and what they should be. And, and also just so sad too. Um, and so I, and I see it obviously still with my college kids and, and then it's not surprising because 
you know, they've been growing up with that from much since they were toddlers. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's really true, and that's and it's kind of scary too to just think about that because you know, for me, it got real for me because now, like, man, I got two, I got three girls that they're gonna have to face this, and it's the same thing for me too as a young black man living in the U.S. in this day, and just like, you know, there's just certain things that you look at and you're like, oh, boy. Um, you know, for me, not even just that, but with my wife, if we have a son, then now I got to learn how to teach him how to be more respectful and how to carry himself with a lot of things um, through his life. And it's just kind of, okay, you know, it becomes a little bit more real for, for the person. Um but let's let's kind of talk about talk to the person who is, um, let's say, in the thirties, thirties, maybe forties, and they're in a position that you know they're just stuck in this position, feeling like, oh man, a lot of people are looking at me like I should not be in this position. What should we? How can we encourage? Them? What are certain ways that we can encourage them to let them know that? hey, you belong here. Like, you're not here just by some kind of mistake. Um, because I feel like, you know, the confidence is kind of always kind of lower on the woman's side um, than the men's side. But if you can help them understand that they belong there to help boost that confidence up, that goes a long ways. Um, just speaking to my wife, you know, a couple of times she would just feel like, she doesn't belong in certain things. She just shouldn't say certain things. I'm like, no, you should say that. Um, you, you can't be afraid and push it, put yourself more down, beat yourself down because of what this person or this person may think. So how can we, you know, besides just listening, what are some other ways that we can do to encourage those people that are at their older age um, in that position? Yeah, I mean, I think, like you said, like confidence uh, looks different, I think, for men and women and, and for different people in general. Um, sometimes it may not have anything to do with gender. Um, but, you know, I think, again, that that consistent affirmation of, like you said, you were your wife was like, I don't know if I should do this. And you're like, yeah, you absolutely should. You know, and so I think they they need that consistent reminder of like, hey, it's OK to use your voice and you should use your voice and empowering them to use their voice kind of no matter, you know, what the scenario is, because I think, you know, we're always going to feel, you know, slightly uncomfortable in different situations, especially if it's a new professional experience or a new hire or, or something like that, a new boss, and you're kind of feeling things out and, and trying to see, you know, what, what's appropriate, what's not, what's acceptable, what's not. Um, and so that, that a little bit, you know, takes some time, but again, I think if you've got good leaders around you who are allowing you to be yourself, that puts you in a much better position to like trust that you're valued and what you have to say will be valued. Does that answer that? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. And I think it, it, that's I think that's the missing part that I think a lot of a lot of people that find it challenging is um, probably the leadership roles need to step up and tell the people, the coworkers, that this person actually belongs here. Um, because a lot of times people are just quiet 
and not backing up um, those people, uh, maybe a female in the leadership position. And, you know, it just it just makes me think about, you know, Kelly, for example, um, at our university, just the work that she does and just seeing, you know, how Chancellor, the respect that he has for her, and he doesn't keep it to himself. Like, he shares it with, with the community uh, of Purdue-Fort Wayne. And I think it goes a long ways. And I, I believe it's definitely probably helped her to continue to do what she does uh, at the level that she's doing it. And, you know, but it's just, it's, it's, a, it's a struggle for a lot of, a lot of, you know, a lot of women to, to be in that position, you know, just, just the confidence, not that it's not, it's not even that they don't have the confidence because it's the same thing for me too. Like, I don't know, we'll probably, I'll probably talk to you about this before, but, you know, if I go to conferences and there are coaches from the power five, like, although I would know what we're talking about, and I should probably say something. I tend to not say anything, and it's just a weird thing that I have that I don't. I'm finally getting over it now. Um, that I'll contact other coaches and talk to them about it. But um, it's just you know, knowing how to encourage people to continue to say, "Hey, um, you just got to be yourself and be able to speak up." And I think one of the challenges, like I'm seeing these days, is just. Just looking at the Congress, for example, um, there are certain things that the woman, Congresswoman, would say that everybody will be all up in arms, and another man will say the same thing, and they'll be like, "It's no big deal." I'm like, "That does not make any sense. <laughs> that does not make any sense to me at all." Like they're both saying the same thing. Why is it like a big deal when a woman says it, but when a man says it, it's like it's not a big deal. Um, but, um, do you have anything to speak on that? Just that concept of, I don't, just women being able to speak up and not nobody having to shut them down for speaking up about what they want to say. Yeah. I think that's where, again, that likability bias comes into play. Um, and you know, a male that's very outspoken and is aggressive and shows, tendencies like that is like, wow, he's a leader. He's passionate, you know, like I'd follow him. And then a female that does that is often called a different word. Um, and it, it's not yeah. as inspiring of a word, I would say. Um, and she generally will score worse on unlikability ratings. And, and so it's again, that, that idea of like what a woman should be versus what a male should be kind of, I think, gets in the way and, and really clouds people's judgments on that. And you see, you know, when you look at, so like, obviously, I think this past weekend they had, you know, the the big tennis tournament and there was one of the male players that got angry and he, you know, hit the tennis ball into the sign or the side um, judges like throw and the article, you know, headline was like, really, you know, not great for a got a great look for the US Open kind of a negative situation. It, it was nothing like super bad by the same author who then like wrote about um, one of the females that was in it. And it was like, you know, sore loser, bad attitude. And so in the one, it was like his action became just a negative thing for the competition as a whole the female who did a similar thing 
um, you know, was directly attacked as being a force for having a bad attitude and like vilified. And so in one, like same situation. And in the one case, the, the female's the villain. And in the male, it's just like, oh, that was unfortunate that that happened. It kind of put negative press on the weekend. Um, and it's just so interesting to, and it was the exact same like author that wrote both articles. Um, and you're like, why in the one, you know, scenario and, and in the, the picture of the male, it was him like checking on the ref and to make sure that she was okay after getting hit. And then the other one was like the female, like really angry face and like shaking her fist. And so it's again, like the public perception of like, oh, he made a mistake let's feel sorry for that. He had that. Like, let's hope that that mind. Yeah. Okay. To the, the like angry, you know, like black woman that how dare she act out like that on television, you know? And it's just, yeah. like, it's mind blowing. Like it's 2020, you know, it's, like why is it still happening? Um, but it's, I don't even know how we got there. I know. I know. Um, but I think, I mean, kind of along these lines, kind of not, I don't know, like one of the best things that I've had a mentor say is like, don't, don't accept criticism from someone you wouldn't go to for advice, right? Like there is always going to be people ready to tear you down. And there's always going to be people ready to tell you all the things you're doing wrong. And generally it'll probably be, if you're in the media, it's going to be on a comment thread or with an anonymous name or something like that, you know? and and you can't listen to those people because you're just going to get sucked into the negativity. So when you care about someone or you trust someone and maybe you know you made a mistake and you're looking for criticism, go to someone that you trust because they're going to tell you the truth in a way that you need to hear it. And I think can be constructive in the way that they criticize you in order for you to grow versus someone that's just bashing you and they know nothing about you. And their sole objective is just to tear you down, you know, like don't listen to those people and, and try and drown them out as much as possible. Even though I know it's hard, our brains are hardwired to see negativity as this huge flashing sign. And then like positivity is this tiny sign in the corner. Um, and so we fixate on, on the things that have gone wrong instead of fixating on the positive things in our lives. Um, but you know, I just think that that was one of the best pieces of advice, you know, I got fairly early on in my coaching career and have tried to stick with when I'm having bad days or lacking confidence in myself as a coach that day or, or just kind of feeling down about things. Well, yeah, that's that's definitely a great advice. That's for sure. Um, well, man, it's been good just talking to you about this topic and um do you have anything else that we need to add on to this? Because I know uh, I have a, a lot of other questions to ask, but for the sake of time, <laughs> it's getting close to nine o'clock here. So, um, yep. but uh, are you doing anything else? Like what other places can you kind of like throw people to go for, you know, more information? I know this is something that you probably um, look up. You do uh, on the side to help promote empowerment but what are some resources that you use personally that you can share with people? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, one thing, just again, you can get information on the internet so easily, 
Lean In is a great option. Um, they look at a lot of the gender bias type research. The Tucker Center is a phenomenal resource that's kind of specific for women in coaching. Um, and that's something I point a lot of coaches towards. And then, you know, I just I would empower, I guess, or encourage people to to be mentors. Um, I've, I've had great ones, you know, in my lifetime. And, and that's something I'm really passionate about giving back to. And so I'm, you know, on some councils. I'm part of a mentorship committee where then I can I serve as a mentor to different female coaches, um, you know, get involved with you know Big Brothers, Big Sisters as a nationwide organization. If you want to get a little, um, you can do it for both men and women and and get you know involved with that and just kind of help someone as as they're growing up and figuring things out and so those are i guess are some of the organizations that i think are really impactful um and you know yes it, it takes time and i think you know it's it's easy for people to say well i just don't have time for that um and you know i think encouraging people to reframe that and think like well we there's always time right like it's just if it's a priority yep. for you or it's not. And so I think, you know, I always challenge my athletes when they're like, oh, I don't have time to stretch. I'm like, rephrase it. And they're like, okay, stretching's not a priority. And I'm like, exactly. That hurts a little more, doesn't it? And so if it's like, oh, I just don't have time to be a mentor. It's like, well, I guess mentorship is not a priority for you, you know, and, and that, that stings a little bit more, you know, and I think oftentimes like, you know, women might be like, well, I just, I don't have the skill set to be a mentor. And like, trust me, you do. Your life experience alone empowers you to be a mentor. Like you have your life experience. If you care about helping other people and you're going to listen, like you have the skill set to be a mentor. It doesn't take a, a genius to do it, you know, just someone who cares and is willing to put some time into it. So those are the things I would just encourage to anyone listening is, is jump into that mentorship role um, if you want it to be a priority, I guess, for you and to make a difference in someone else's life. Definitely, definitely, definitely a believer in mentorships and they definitely go a long ways. Um, that's actually one of the segments that I did. I might have to do a second one. Um, but we're definitely going to have to bring you back and find another topic to talk about. And um, thank you so much for your time and being here and providing us with some insight definitely opened my eye in many ways i can tell you that <laughs> definitely made me go go back and definitely look at what i thought equality was and now i have a totally different perspective of what that is um so really thankful and grateful for you being on and um hopefully we have you back here sometime soon so that we can talk about something else that can helpfully help people that are listening with us. So thank you so much.